Hey there, welcome to the I Didn't Sign Up For This podcast with Allison Casanova and myself, Jade Shaw. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists here in the state of California. Whether you're a practitioner yourself or just interested in topics around mental health and therapy, join us here for some real and honest conversations. Please note that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy or medical advice. Any questions about your specific situation should be directed to your own therapist or primary care physician. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. We are here with episode 13. Uh, Today, we're talking about boundaries in intimate relationships. So um, if you've been with us for a while, you know that in episode two, we talked about ghosting versus boundaries and how to communicate and assert your boundaries over the holidays. But today we're talking more specifically about what those boundaries look like in more intimate romantic relationships. So I think first we want to look at why they're your boundaries. So I know that we kind of talked a little bit, like Jade had mentioned in earlier episodes, um, what how you know what your boundaries are. But I think sometimes it's confusing to understand why they're a boundary because everybody has different ones. So what might be a boundary for you might not be a boundary for somebody else. So a really good way of trying to figure that out is thinking back to what made you decide that it needed to be set in the first place and then kind of look and see if there needs to be flexibility or if it really is something that is important to you. So for example, Let's pretend that you just got a new job and you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning every morning and you need to make sure that you get, you're getting like enough sleep in order to get up on time, not be late for work and be able to function. I know that there are some people out there that can function on pretty little amount of sleep, but for most of us, we need a little bit more in order to function properly. So let's pretend you need eight hours. So that would mean, I'm really not very good at math, but that would mean that you need to go to bed at what, eight or nine um, to be able to fulfill that and get enough sleep. So that would mean that you need to be starting to kind of wind down, wind down probably like around seven. And so if, you know, you have somebody that calls you or somebody that really wants to do like a late dinner, you're going to have to say no. And sometimes we want to say yes. So you have to kind of decide, okay, so why did I set this boundary in the first place? Is this a night where you don't have to go to work in the morning? So can you bend it a little bit? Or is this a night where you really do need to get up in the morning and it's not worth it? Or is it a night where you do have to get up, but you haven't seen this person in a really long time and they're really worth it to you. So it's worth it to you to get less sleep. And you think that as long as you get you know, a certain amount that's maybe not exactly what you normally get, but enough to function, is that going to work for you? So you're the only one that's going to be able to decipher what that looks like and what your flexibility is with your boundary. But I think it's, it's really about, uh, having a conversation with yourself, as funny as that sounds to try and really think it through and understand exactly why it was set in the first place. And if if it can be flexible or not. Yeah. 
I think, too, looking at this is something we probably mentioned in the earlier episode, but if something is making you uncomfortable or if you're feeling you're feeling like you're pulled in one way or another, that's probably a good sign that that's a boundary for you. And looking at that a little bit closer, you know, whether it is having that conversation with yourself or somebody else, I think that boundaries get tested a lot in these intimate relationships, whether it's, you know, like the example you gave, like, I need to go to bed early so I can wake up early or, you know, look, you have this friendship with this other person and I'm not super comfortable with that. Or, you know, you want more time together, whereas I need more time on my own. Um, I think there are a lot of ways that these boundaries can come up and sort of be pushed and tested. And a lot of figuring that out is looking deeper out where you're uncomfortable and what about that situation makes you uncomfortable or what you're needing from that situation. Does that make sense? I think so. It does. And I think something to remember also is it's okay to pause. So if you kind of have an idea and you're talking to somebody and then they're pushing it a little bit or they're asking you some questions that are making you wonder if your boundary is something that that needs to be maybe changed or if you're you're really needing to hit that boundary harder and you're not really sure how to respond sometimes what ends up happening is we feel pressured so we just kind of answer and then we're not always happy with our answer afterwards it's okay to pause and say that you need to think about it or you're not really sure and to give you a second uh or you can even say like you know I have to be right back, but we'll finish this conversation in a second. I just need to use the restroom. As silly as that sounds, sometimes that's kind of what we need to do to force ourselves to take that break and just think about it if it's not if it's not as easy to say that you need the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think on that, um, it kind of reminds me of how people say, like, you know, don't go to bed angry. And I personally am not a huge fan of that because I feel like, it's those situations where you just need that time. You just need that space to separate and, you know, get back to your baseline mood or clear your head, get your thoughts together. Um, there's no reason in my mind to push it when it might be more beneficial to take that space first and come back to it later. I agree with you 110%. I think while it's not fun to go to bed angry, I think depends. it depends on so many factors, right? It depends on what the argument was about. If it was a small argument or a really big argument, it depends on where you are in your feeling. Are you feeling like you are at a space where you can still have a conversation and be productive even though you're angry? Or do you feel like you're kind of over the top and you might throw something at this person? Because if that's the case... Probably not a good idea to have that conversation. It also depends on when you had that argument, right? So like if you had it at like five o'clock at night or in the afternoon, I'm sorry, that's not really nighttime. And, you know, you're calmed down by nine. You might be able to have a conversation if you don't normally go to bed until 11. But let's pretend that you had the argument at like eight or nine and you're calmed down and you're going, 
you're not calmed down and you're going to bed, you don't really want to force yourself to stay up until two o'clock in the morning to have this conversation. So I think it kind of just depends. Sometimes it's just nice to have the agreement that you guys are going to talk about it the next day and like pick a time. And, you know, I'm going to, we're going to talk about it when we get home. Or if you've time in the morning and you both aren't working or you work later, we're going to talk about it in the morning over breakfast. Sometimes it's important to, to know that you're gonna come back to it, it makes it a little easier to, to take that space when you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people have sort of anxiety about sitting with that discomfort. And I think that that's a huge growing point. Um, I mean, I'll speak even for myself that I hate conflict, but it took learning how to be uncomfortable with it and just to sit with that discomfort with it in order to learn how to more productively address it. I think too, if we try and push through being, being in the feeling that we're feeling, whether it's anger or sadness, whatever the feeling is, if we try and pushing through it, cause we don't want to feel that way anymore. And who does really, no one likes feeling um, really intensely that they're that angry or that upset. Uh, it doesn't feel good. But when we try and push through it, we actually don't give ourselves enough space to be able to process and work through it. So then we kind of just put it aside and start functioning with the other person and kind of acting like everything is okay, but it's not because it's still there. And then next time something happens, you're going to be responding to both of those things. So it is really important to to let yourself be in it. Sometimes you need to distract yourself because you're not in a space to be able to be in it. But I do think it's important to give yourself the time to process it and be in it as uncomfortable as it is. You're going to get through it a lot faster if you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. It really does help for like future conversations. If you allow that space, even to understand your own perspective more like, okay, I'm going to sit with this and I'm really going to think about why I'm feeling this and what's going on for me, like what exactly is coming up um, so that you can better communicate that to the other person and not have those circumstances where each of you is just sort of saving up ammo for the next argument that that you guys have. Um, And I hear that actually very frequently where in couples there's just like a backlog of stuff that people are upset about that have got, it's gotten like swept under the rug um, because people are avoiding that communication about where their boundaries are, what their expectations are, what their needs are. A lot of times too, it's avoided because they haven't really liked the response that they've gotten in the past and they don't feel heard. So it's just easier to, to just avoid those feelings and avoid that confrontation And so I think what ends up happening though is the wedge gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the other thing is then you guys start kind of getting into these situations where you're mad at little things and really it has nothing to do with that little thing. It has nothing to do with the fact that that person didn't take the trash out the night before, right? Like you are mad (laughs) about all the other things, like that they're not hearing you, that they're not understanding your point of view and that you feel maybe disrespected it it has nothing to do with the trash and I think sometimes it gets confusing because you know you're it's a lot easier to focus on that small thing like the trash and then that becomes the focus and it feels really silly like why why is it that that you're really that mad over Uh uh-huh 
Yeah, that's a perfect segue into the next sort of topic within this that we wanted to talk about, which is why people avoid having these conversations about their boundaries or their experiences and what people may be actually avoiding. So, you know, like you said, it could be avoiding feedback that you know that you're not going to like. It could be trying to avoid having an argument, trying to avoid, you know, appearing weak or vulnerable. And I think that, um, you know, maybe it's just sort of a therapist perspective. I don't know, but there's nothing wrong with having an argument, right? If we really look at it, the argument is not the problem. The argument is often like how people are arguing, you know, when we argue, I don't, like you said, I don't feel heard. I don't feel like my feelings are validated. I don't feel like I'm being understood. Um, you know, I feel embarrassed that I'm upset about this. So to really look and understand what specifically you're avoiding by not sharing these things with your partner and within that, why are you avoiding that thing? I don't think anger is a bad thing, no. but I think it has a really bad reputation. People do not look at anger as a good thing. Really, if you if you take a step back, it's what we do when we're angry that gets anger the bad reputation. So the goal is to be able to stop yourself and process it so that you can respond instead of react. There's a reason why you have feelings and anger kind of tells you that something is wrong and some, some some you're hurt in some way someone is not respecting you and so if you can kind of figure that out and kind of talk about it you're going to be able to have a conversation that you're going to feel good about with that anger rather than something that you're feeling bad about mm-hmm. yeah one thing that i hear just like across the board is you know, either when I talk to people about when they're upset or when people are telling me about a time that they've been upset is this idea of like, it is what it is, or it's whatever, or it's fine, which is, I mean, a a surface level invalidating your own experience, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of like to probe a little bit like, "Eh, is it really fine? You know, is it really whatever? Let's look at that a little bit deeper. And typically what I find is just like you said, like there's that hurt underneath. There's that sadness underneath. Um, I think that anger is its own emotion. I don't think that it's always secondary emotion per se, but it is important because I think it can lead to a lot of understanding about what else is going on in that situation. Yeah, I think anger is its own emotion, but I think it normally, it's normally tagged with something else. Right. Like you're normally feeling more than just angry. Yeah. Whereas like if you're happy, you can just feel happy. You can feel other things, too. But that's like one that's kind of like it can stand on its own. Um, I'm going to be really funny right now because I (laughs) every time I hear the word fine and I'm using that in quotation marks, I think that's like our go to like I'm fine Uh if like you don't really want to talk about it. That's just like what I think most people do in this culture. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. it instead of saying I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. I'm okay. And really 
I think that just means I'm used to it. So like I've no I know how to handle it. But every time I hear that word, I don't know if you or anybody listening has ever listened to the, or listened, watched the movie The Italian Job. Oh, uh-huh. Long time ago. So so there is a part in that movie where the one of the characters says, Well, yeah, I'm fine. And then the other person kind of looks at them and says, okay, well, you know what that means. And I guess, like, they had this inside joke. If I'm remembering this correctly, it's been a while since I've watched this movie, but that fine actually stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes me laugh every time because normally when we say we're fine, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> because if we are, we don't use that word. We say, yeah, we're good. Or we say, yeah, we're okay. You know, we don't, we don't say we're fine to actually say that we're doing well. Right. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that starts, I think, you know, when you see somebody in passing, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good. Um, and then it just becomes habit almost. Like a lot of times I think people forget how to share what is actually going on. Um, we're not used to what people's responses are going to be. We're not used to trying to figure out what words to use or when an appropriate time is to talk about it. And that really bleeds over into our personal relationships. When people are asking us, how are you? You know, what's going on? Are you okay? And we don't know how to verbalize what is really going on and instead resort to like, it's fine. It's whatever. It is what it is. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know how to talk about it. Let's just move on. I think a lot of times people too, they don't, they're not in a space where they want to talk about it and, or they're with somebody that they don't really want to talk about it with. And I think that's okay, but it's, it is also okay to say that you're not okay and that you don't want to talk about it. And I think the thing to remember is if somebody is really respecting you, they're going to say, okay, well, I'm here if you need to talk about it. It's the people that kind of push and well, why aren't you going to tell me? How come you can't tell me? You can tell me. Those are the people that maybe it's okay to just say like, yeah, I'm fine mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're not going to be able to hear you say I'm not okay and I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is such a fascinating topic to me because I think that it applies to so many different situations and there's so much that it can tie into. I mean, you know, we've, we started talking about boundaries and communication and how these tie into a variety of different relationships and how that affects intimate relationships. Um, but to kind of bring it back to boundaries specifically, I think that something to keep in mind is that if it makes you uncomfortable, it probably makes you uncomfortable for a reason. And why is that? And if there's avoidance around talking about it with the people that you're close to, why is that? And, you know, just understanding what about that conversation makes you uncomfortable or what are you finding that you don't get when you have that conversation with those people. And I think that will kind of give you a good idea as to, um, you know, if you find that you and your partner continuously argue about the same things, that'll give you a good clue in as to like what need is not being met 
and um, where those communication adjustments can be made so that each partner is better understanding the other's boundaries and what that other person needs. And you're going to have different boundaries with everybody, right? There are going to be people that you're going to be able to say certain things to and they're going to be able to hear you and there are going to be people that you maybe have to say it a little differently or not say it because you don't feel like they're going to hear you. Mm -hmm. And I think then you kind of have to decide, is it, is this somebody that I'm close with or is this somebody that I'm not that close with? Mm -hmm. And is it worth it to keep having a relationship with this person um, and how can I tweak it so I can feel comfortable and still have a relationship if you're really wanting to have one? And I think that's maybe something we talked a little bit about in earlier episodes too, kind of trying to determine the closeness of that relationship. And depending on your trust level in that relationship and your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm glad that you said that, that keeping that person in your life isn't always the best answer. I think it's really up to each particular person to decide, like you said, how close you want that person or how distant you want to keep them. You know, what is going to serve you best? And I think that leads us nicely into the topic that you were going to sort of spearhead. I wanted to touch base on why it's important for both people to have boundaries and to communicate them. And I I think sometimes we get into this space where we feel that a boundary is selfish. So I don't, I don't want to tell you, you know, what I'm needing because it's going to be a burden and you're going through a lot right now. For example, I think that's probably one of the most common ones that I hear. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I don't want to reach out and get help from my friend because they're going through a lot. And so that's that you, you, you are doing it from a place of care. You care about this person. You don't want to make them more upset. But then if you really stop to think about it, you're then telling yourself that your problem and something that you're struggling with isn't as important as what your friend is struggling with. And that's not necessarily fair or true it's just different, right? You guys might be going through very different things. And if you think about it, if your friend was going through something really difficult and they thought that about you and they didn't share it with you, how fair is that to you or that person? They're not now getting what they need and they're not giving you the opportunity to help you, help have you help them. So now it kind of almost feels like they don't trust you and that they don't want your help, which does a lot of damage, I think, to a relationship because it doesn't feel good. You want to be able to connect with somebody and support them. So then flip it around. You are not giving your friend the opportunity to be there for you the way that they want to be there for you because you're choosing for them. You're choosing for them to not be there for you by not telling them. And I think it's up to them to tell you if they can be there for you or not. A lot of times people will listen and if they're really having a hard time, they will tell you if they have good boundaries that, you know, if they can't be there for you. I, you know, they'll say something like, I really want to to be there for you and listen to you, but I am having a really hard time right now and I don't know if I could give you what you're needing. So 
can we finish this conversation in like a couple of days when I'm in a better space? And I think that might, that might not feel very good, but at the same time it's honest. So it does feel good because you know that you can trust that they're going to tell you what's going on with them. And I think that most of the time people are, are going to be able to listen because when we're wanting help, we don't always want someone to fix it, right? We just want them to be there in it with us. So if they're having a hard time, actually, and this is something I've heard a lot, it's a nice reprieve from their stuff if they can listen to you and be there for you. So it's actually kind of helpful to them. And so I think the thing to remember is it's not just that you're setting a boundary or, or, Setting a boundary or a limit with somebody, for you, you're also doing it for them because they, if they don't have that information, they don't know how to do better for you. Mm-hmm. And you're not giving them the option to by not telling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was exactly a point that came to my mind was you're basically by sharing your boundaries with them and letting them know, hey, this is a limit for me, or this is where I'm uncomfortable. This is what I need. This is what I dislike. You are being very clear with them so that they know where the line is and that takes the guesswork out for them, right? That they know where that boundary is for you and okay, I can't cross this. Um, and then it puts you in a position where, okay, I've, I've told that boundary to them. They know where I stand with that. And if they cross it, you can then make a more informed decision instead of saying, well, like, did they really know? Or, you know, were they just unaware? Like, no, you've, you've told them, you've communicated it, they should know. And now you can decide with more clarity, the distance or um, proximity that you need from that relationship without so much guesswork for either one of you. Mm-hmm. I think another another example too that's coming to mind, and this is something that I see a lot just in with with my experience with people coming in. Sometimes when someone's in a really bad space, and let's say um, I'm thinking that I I need to keep them over a couple minutes just because of where they are, and I think it's appropriate to do that. A lot of times people will look at the time and say, I'm so sorry that I went over and they feel horrible. And then I have to remind them, you know, I'm actually the timekeeper. So if I couldn't stay over or if I thought that it was appropriate to end, I would tell you. So it's not all on you. And so I think a lot of times people think that it's all their responsibility, but it takes two people to communicate in a relationship. One person is responsible for... Well, each person is responsible for setting their boundary and then listening and respecting the other persons. And so you kind of have to kind of have to weave that together to really to really know how to move forward. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes people don't know how to set the boundary and sometimes people don't know how to respect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I've found that I don't think I really realized before was how closely setting boundaries and confidence are, um, in general, but also very specifically to intimate relationships, because I find that a lot of people who have trouble with self-esteem or confidence have been in the cycle of not asserting their boundaries or their limits. And then people kind of step over them and cross them and they're not being set. And, and 
their confidence in setting those boundaries just gets pushed down farther and farther until um, they're in multiple positions they don't want to be in. And so starting to set those boundaries really helps increase that confidence with, you know, I know what I like, I know what I don't like, and I can feel comfortable setting that. And being able to set that and have that heard makes me feel more independent, more um, capable. Like those are all sort of cycles that I've seen that I, you know, years ago wouldn't have expected to see. So it's interesting how um, just setting these boundaries can help not only with communication, can help with um, better understanding in relationships, but also the independence and self-confidence that people bring into the relationship when those boundaries are set and heard. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's a really good connection um, to, to make. And it's, 110 percent true they are definitely correlated and i think the hard part is it's, it's kind of almost like what came first the chicken or the egg mm-hmm. right because it's really hard to set these boundaries when you don't have the confidence and you don't feel like you deserve to set them yeah. but then when you do set them you kind of your confidence grows and i think for a little while it might it might be kind of shaky because there are going to be people in your life that are used to the way that you guys have interacted. And so when you set them, they're used to kind of just looking over them and not listening or they're not used to you setting them. So they might get really upset and kind of react. And so I think for a while it might be a little shaky and sometimes relationships don't last through that because you realize that, it was never a relationship that was maybe healthy for you. And sometimes they do. And you just didn't know that this person could do better for you if they just knew. Uh-huh. And so I think that that shaky period, I think, is really hard and it's really testing. But if you can, if you can get through that difficult part, it really does help with the confidence. It's just really hard to set it when you don't have that high of confidence to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a chicken or the egg situation. That's a good comparison. You know, I guess my suggestion would be start with small boundaries until you can mm-hmm. build enough confidence to move up to bigger boundaries and um, then eventually feel comfortable asserting yourself when you want to assert yourself. Something else to keep in mind, too, that I've noticed, and I don't know if this is something that you've noticed, too, but it's almost like when you're in this space and you're all the way over here to the left of not setting boundaries at all, and you start to be able to set them, you don't go in the middle. You go all the way over here to the right, and then you start maybe oversetting them, Mm -hmm. and you start being super rigid with it because this is so new and you've never been able to do it before, and so I think that's really hard too. Mm-hmm. And so after a while getting used to it, you start to kind of you start to kind of find that middle gray area where you can have that flexibility and that's probably the most comfortable space to be in, but it takes a little while to get there and it's really hard to get there. So if you are somebody who's starting to set them and you're starting to notice that, you know, you're going all the way over here and is this really fair and is it, are these relationships really really good and should I be setting them and you're starting to kind of question yourself that's pretty normal Mm -hmm. and I think once you kind of get through that part 
it'll be a little easier to decipher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. That's um, a, a good point. One of my favorite activities that I do with people is looking specifically at the spectrum of you know, porous versus rigid boundaries and where mm -hmm. they are on that and where they want to be. And it's interesting. I do see that like a lot of times it starts out porous and then it goes super rigid and then, you know, kind of tapering to find that middle ground. Um, yeah. Okay. Should we move on to our tips for the day? Cause we're up just over 30 minutes. Okay. okay. Did you want to go first or do you want me to? Um, I'll go first. So mine is just a quick, simple treat yourself, you know, um, I feel like we live in a very like diet happy culture right now. And, um, you know, speaking of like rigid boundaries, um, I, I find that a lot of people can be sort of rigid with certain regimens that they have to a point where it's exhausting. Um, so just remember to take that little break and treat yourself every once in a while. It's important. Yeah. Find that middle ground. So my tip is forgiveness versus reconciliation to keep that in mind. I think a lot of times people get this idea that if you forgive somebody, that means that now you have to have a relationship with them and that you've, you've condoned everything that they've done, but that's actually not true. You, when you forgive somebody, it's not for them. It's for you. It's so that you're not carrying around all of that anger and upset anymore and that you can move on. Sometimes you can work past that with somebody and have a relationship with them and reconcile with them. But sometimes you can forgive someone and choose not to have them in your life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're still carrying around that anger. It just means that you've decided it's not a good person to have in your life, but you've forgiven them. You just don't want to have a relationship with them. And I think that's okay. You just, you're the only one that's going to be able to decide if it's worth having that relationship or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Perfect for this topic too. Okay, so that's all we have for today. And until next time, take it easy and we'll chat with you soon. Bye, guys.